great to have you all here this morning. I just want to invite you to stand as we get ready to worship the Lord today. Good morning. One of the things I missed the most when we couldn't meet together was singing together. And it's so beautiful when our voices are joined in unity. And if I love hearing everyone sing in praise to God, how much more does God love to hear our praises? So whether we're at church or we're at home this morning, he hears us in unity. Psalm 146 says, I'll praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. So let's get our hands clapping. And let's scream it out this morning. I want to scream it out from every mountain top. Your goodness knows no bounds. Your goodness never stops. Your mercy follows me. Your kindness fills my life. Your
And you are the king of our hearts this morning.
Sovereign Lord, my refuge, I will tell of all your deeds. We're just here to praise God. He's so good. He's so great to us. Amen. I love you, Lord. Your mercy never fails me. Love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I will sing of the goodness of God all my life. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I love your voice, Lord. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire, darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father, I've known you as a friend, I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you've been faithful, all my life you have been faithful, all my life you have been so Your goodness is running after, it's running 
to shelter me, the only God for me, and my great confidence. We thank you, God, this morning. Why don't we give a shout of praise to the Lord? Isn't he so good? I want to invite you to give your friend a smile with those eyes under that mask as you find your seat this morning. If it's your first time here today or whether you're online watching or in the room, I want to invite you to find your way to tfhchurch.ca slash new here. You can fill out a digital guest card there, or for those of you in the room, we want to thank you for registering for today's service. And if you'd like to provide us with further information, you can fill out a guest card by the table by the door. Let's give our guests a huge round of applause this morning.
As many of you are aware, masks have become mandatory in Sturgeon County this week. Whether your view regarding masks and COVID-19 recommendations, we ask that you make an effort every Sunday to speak kindly and honorably about our governing leaders and kindly to each other. If you see someone not wearing a mask, we ask that you choose to believe that they have a valid concern and reason not to. Whatever side of the issue you side with, let's choose to lay aside personal preference and worship God and serve one another in kindness. Amen. Parents, just a reminder to check out any instructions for the activities in the kids pack. Also, if you don't have crayons today, more crayons are available by the door at the kids sign-in table. There is a parent room available down the hall, past the washrooms and on the left side if anyone needs to step out with their little ones. You're also free to enjoy the sermon in the fellowship hall if that's easier for you. Lastly, please return the clipboards after the service for a sweet deal of candy. Thank you to so many of you who stay and help us clean after services and sanitize our chairs. We have sanitizing solution and paper towel by the doors, and if you're willing to stay again and help us wipe any services in the room that have been touched, especially the chairs and door handles, that would be greatly appreciated. We believe that God moves powerfully in every situation as we make our requests known to him. He has also given us the authority to declare his plans and purposes for our nation, our church, and our community. And he's been so good to us. We know that we'll continue to see his goodness in the months to come. You can join us for prayer Monday through Thursday between 9 and 10 a.m. here in the living room at the Fellowship Hall. And you can also join us in the living room on Tuesday at 7 p.m. for our evening prayer. We pray for five families each week as part of our family prayer calendar. This week, our pastors are specifically praying for Isaiah Thompson, Matt Van Heck, Christiane Vischer, Tammy Wanuch and family, Ava and Ivan Siemens and family. We ask that you join us in praying for them this week as well. If you are a guest, please feel under no obligation to give. It is our joy as a church family to give towards God's work in our ministry and community. You can give by sending an e-transfer to give at tfhchurch.ca. Your gift will be deposited, deposited automatically and securely into a church account. You can also drop a financial gift in the bucket by the auditorium door. We thank you for your generosity. Let's pray for the offering. God, I just thank you for providing for our church family, Lord, and I just thank you for the generous hearts that you've created in each one of us. God, I just lift up this offering to you today, God, and I pray for Pastor Peter as he comes to share the word with us, Lord. God, I just pray that you would speak through him and that our hearts would be always open and willing to hear what you have to say to us, Lord. In your name, amen. Awesome. All right. Good morning, everyone. This is the first time preaching on this stage. It feels a little different, but we'll get used to it. All right. Good job, Hannah. Why don't you give Hannah a hand? Hey, well done. Well, good on you for being courageous this morning and showing up with your masks on to gather in the house of the Lord. Uh, just so grateful for each and every one of you who has decided to come. Uh, we are back on track this week with uh, our summer series. We have been in the book of Psalms uh, since the beginning of June, enjoying a theme called Summer in the Psalms. Summer in the Psalms. And uh, we spent 
several weeks on Psalm 23. It was beautiful. It was awesome. But then we bounced around a little bit, and we checked out several other psalms. We heard from Maddie and Pastor Greg a bunch, and just awesome words. Uh, It feels like every message that we have heard from this stage, um, every chapter of the Bible that we've gone through has really fit the season that we've been in with COVID-19. It's amazing how almost any chapter of the Bible can practically speak uh, into the situations and circumstances that we're facing. Amen? Amen. But uh, you can go back over our psalm series, and I promise that you will find insights that directly and powerfully apply to your life today. Um, So I love that Andrea read a verse out of Psalm 91. Psalm 91 is a chapter that I have come back to repeatedly again and again in the midst of this pandemic. And uh, this is a scripture that has been searched thousands of times over the past few months. It's amazing how different uh, chapters in the Bible can suddenly spike on Google search in the midst of whatever situation our society is going through. Psalm 91 is one of those because it's a psalm of divine protection. So my message today is called Promise of Protection. Promise of Protection. Uh, I believe that more than covering ourselves with gloves and masks and shields and more than dousing ourselves and our kids with sanitizer, we as believers have the opportunity right now to cover ourselves with the promises of God. And uh, in saying that, I want you to know that by no means am I against masks or sanitizers or gloves. I believe that we need to honor those in authority over us and that we want to be sensitive to the needs of those around us. This is so important in this season. Um, But we need, more than anything, to be washing ourselves with the Word of God right now. Uh, Dare I say that it's actually the most important thing that we do in the midst of a pandemic. If our only hope right now is in medical research and recommendations, I believe that we're likely to end up very frustrated and feeling very afraid. You'll remember Pastor Glenn last week uh, said that there's a lot of conflicting research coming out right now. We live in a time of great confusion, and so we need to be praying for those who are trying so hard to help right now. God, give them confidence and clarity in letting us know the right thing to do. Amen? Amen. But the point I'm making is that there are many things that people simply cannot do. Uh, Despite all of their degrees, despite all of their achievements, more than any other time in human history, I believe we need the protection of God. We need the protection of the Lord. And so coming back to Psalm 91, in my preparation this week, I I read that uh, Jewish rabbis would often recite Psalm 91 seven times. And the reason they would do that, they believed that faith would enter into their hearts as they just declared this chapter again and again. And so here's what we're going to do right now. I'm going to invite you to stand up. I know Hannah just told you to sit down. I'm going to invite you to stand on up. You can stretch if you like. Uh, But we're actually going to read this morning's scripture together. It's going to come up on the screen. Uh, We're not going to read it seven times. That could take a while. But we'll read it just once. And uh, more than read it church family, I want you to declare this word over your body, over your family, over our community, over our church, over Canada, uh, for the online family as well. I invite you to do the same, and then afterwards we're going to pray together. So that's going to come up on the screen, and then we're going to read Psalm 91. Let's go together. 
It says, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the Most High your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. And with long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap right now. Come on. <laughs> You may be seated. <clears throat> Good job, church. Awesome. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you for this powerful scripture this morning. And Lord, even in the midst of the coronavirus, even in the midst of coming in and wearing masks and seeing sanitizer and signs everywhere, Lord, beyond all of those things, we just declare your promise. We declare your protection, God, over each individual in this room, over each individual watching. Uh, God, over this church family, Lord, we just thank you for access to powerful promises in Jesus' name. God, we pray that just faith would be implanted in the hearts of each one who hears this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for reading with me. Uh, this chapter covers all kinds of evil. Uh, verse 3 actually says that God will save you from the fowler's snare. It's actually a reference to a bird trap. The enemy will influence people to walk where they ought not to, uh, to do things that they shouldn't do. The devil will tell you things that are okay to do. They're not okay. They're traps. Don't go there. Don't walk there. That same verse talks about the deadly pestilence. It's referring to all kinds of diseases that can develop in our bodies, things that we can catch from other people. Verse 5 references the terror of night. And uh, what came to mind as I read about the terror of night was uh, terrorism. Terrorism. We've seen it in the United States and Canada, all over the world. That same verse talks about the arrow that flies by day. I was thinking about David who wrote this chapter. He would run into battle and arrows are flying. I can't imagine what that would feel like. But did you know that for us, we live in a time where a missile can be fired from a nation on the other side of the planet and it can be directed to hit any building thousands of miles away with pinpoint accuracy. They can make it land in your backyard. That's incredible. And so there are many reasons to get worked up. 
There are many reasons to fear. Traps of the enemy, deadly diseases, COVID, uh, terrorism, flying missiles, world war. But the point of the chapter is not all of these things. The point of the chapter is the assurance that we can have when we depend on God's protection. And so we need to resist fear. And come on, church, we need to rise up in faith in this season. Uh, Stories always help me increase my faith. I was reading this week about a story that happened in World War II. Uh, Allied soldiers were trapped in France, and they were days away from total disaster. And the King of England, King George VI, called for a national day of prayer. Can you imagine if Justin Trudeau called for a national day of prayer? Wouldn't that be awesome, hey? But the whole British Empire and the world began interceding for a miracle. People filled the churches, they fasted, they prayed, and God heard those prayers. God heard those prayers. First of all, what happened was this crazy storm broke out over France that prevented the German planes from flying over. And yet there were calm waters in the British Channel which enabled 800 boats of all sizes, many of them were just fishing vessels, to go back and forth from the UK to France, uh, carrying these soldiers to safety. Now, specifically in that event, what happened was there were 400 soldiers stranded on a beach called Dunkirk. And uh, they were pinned down in the open, they were being sprayed with machine gun fire, and there had to have been some believers in the bunch because all 400 of them began passionately reciting, can you guess which psalm? Psalm 91. It's one thing for us to read Psalm 91 when we're safe in church here in Canada. Can you imagine (laughs) declaring the word of God when machine gun fire is being sprayed at you? But here's the story. All 400 of them walked away without a scratch, and at the end of that national day of prayer, the lives of 340,000 Allied soldiers were saved. It's a true story. Uh, Another true story that happened in the same war, I think this one happened in Britain, the government told everyone, you need to get underground. You need to get to safety. Planes are coming. Bombs are falling. So what happened is all the citizens rush underground, they get to safety, sure enough, uh, the planes came, the bombs fell, the dust cleared, and after an amount of time, uh, everybody came up, and they saw this one lone house sitting surrounded by rubble. And uh, they, they went inside, and they found this elderly woman sitting in her chair, and they said, what are you doing? What were you thinking? Why didn't she run to safety with us? And her reply was, I I had been reading Psalm 91. And Psalm 91 says that a thousand may fall at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Church, I think when uh, when we hear a story like that, it's easy to think, silly old woman, (laughs) should have listened to your government, gone underground. And yeah, maybe she should have. But the point is, is that as she declared the word of God, the Lord protected her. God protected her. I mentioned earlier, this is not a message where I'm going to discourage you to do whatever you can to protect yourself and your family. I believe that we should. But again, your ultimate protection is not in this world. And so often we put way too much stock in what the world can do for us and not enough in what God has done and what God will continue to do for us who believe. 
God's perfect roundabout shield protection is our safest bet every single time. I want to draw a distinction here, and I want to encourage you this morning, church family, that you and I are not like the people of the world. You and I are not like the people of the world. We stand apart. The Bible actually says that we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We're not subject to the same terms and conditions. And I've met many people that say, oh, that's just not even fair. I mean, we are here on the planet with everybody else. And you're right, it's not fair. It's actually only by God's lavish grace and his generosity that we've been saved from wrath and we've been set apart for new life. But that grace is not cliche. Lord, forgive us if we ever would believe that that grace is cliche. But that grace is real and it covers, again, those who believe. If Jesus hadn't come and if salvation hadn't been given, it would be different. The enemy would have legal right to unleash fury of hell upon you and upon your family, but there's a grace that holds back the fire, that holds back the water, that holds back judgment. God stepped in legally. We know this. Come on. Jesus became a person like you and me, and he severed the tie that holds us bondage to judgment and consequence. And so I believe with all my heart that there's a spiritual reality that is greater than anything physical. And that reality is, is that when Christ died to sin, guess what? You died to sin. And when Jesus was buried, you were buried. And when Jesus was raised to new life, guess what? You were raised to new life. Resurrection life flows in your body as you declare, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and I receive health and healing and protection and Psalm 91 promises in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. You are encased in a covenant that Jesus made with his heavenly Father. I always like to think that I made a covenant, but I didn't. Jesus made a covenant with his Father that the ramifications of sin, which are many, cannot touch those who believe and declare. And so, again, here we are in the midst of a pandemic. We need to stay there. We need constant revelation of all that God has given so much. And so this morning, uh, I'm not going to give you three points. I'm going to give you, calling them declarations. I'm going to give you three declarations as part of this message. And the first one is this, I am forgiven and favored by God. Can you repeat that? I am forgiven and favored by God. Hallelujah. So many people in our world today who don't know God, who don't have that revelation, they succumb to sickness, they succumb to, to trials and to troubles and to terrible things because they don't know how good God is. I loved the song selection this morning. We just sang about the goodness of God. We just reveled in his goodness. We just stayed there. He is generous. He is kind. He is loving. Um, my wife, Chantel, uh, was meeting with someone a couple weeks ago. This was over vacation. She said, Peter, get out of here. I got a friend coming over. And uh, this young lady is not a Christian, um, but we believe that she's close. She hasn't said yes to Jesus, but anyhow, this, this girl sat on our couch, and she just shared story after story after story of the terrible things that her and her husband have been through long list of sicknesses of all sorts, uh, problems, financial, mental, emotional, just awful stuff, terrible. 
sometimes I think we take for granted the grace that we've been given. And then you hear stories like that of what people are navigating, and you're like, whoa, I couldn't even imagine living with that level of pain and stress in my life. But at the end of their time together, Chantel was bold, and she shared the gospel with her friend. And uh, my wife's not in the room right now. She took our little one to the washroom. But, but Chantel has been growing in leaps and bounds during COVID. Like, unbelievably. She even, well, if you talk to her after the service, she says COVID has been the best thing that could have ever happened in my life. Because we canceled our Netflix, we stopped watching TV, and we've just been in the Word of God, we've been praying. There was one day I came home, and Chantel was literally just drenched on the couch, weeping. She was like, God is so good. He's just so good. He just loves me so much. And I was just like, where did my wife go? (laughs) This is unbelievable. But Chantel told her friend that life is not meant to be like that. God, God is good, and he wants you to draw life from relationship with him. She told her that she was loved, she was worthy of the Lord's kindness, and then, uh, and then this girl didn't want to receive Jesus that day. She was like, this is all very overwhelming, I need to process, but Chantel was like, can I pray for you? And this girl just sat on our couch and wept and wept as Chantel just declared who God is over her. She had never heard the gospel represented like that before. Church, I want you to know, and I want you to let your friends know and, and other people know that God wants nothing more than for us to draw life from him, to draw life from him. My perspective on God for so many years, even as a pastor, is, God, how can I love you more? God, how can I love you more? God, how can I love you more? And then suddenly it flipped, and the question became, how can I know more of your love for me? How can I know more of your love for me? He wants us to draw life from him. And so the centerpiece of Christianity is not that you are judged. The centerpiece of Christianity is that Jesus was judged. He absorbed the curse and sickness. He took it on the cross and he said, it is finished. And then he sat down at the right hand of his father and he rested in the finished work. Psalm 91 verse 1 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. The word dwells in that text, I was like, what does that mean? It actually means sits. The one who sits. The Passion Translation says, When you sit enthroned under the shadow of Shaddai, you are hidden in the strength of God Most High. You know, Psalm 91 verse 1, this is your 911. This is your 911 emergency call number. This is where you go when you're in trouble. Jesus is seated because there's nothing left to earn. He won it all. He accomplished it all. When you sit enthroned with Christ, you, by faith, receive the abundant provision that he has for you. And so first point, oh man, you are forgiven, you are favored, you are loved by God. Do you have any idea how awesome you are, how significant you are in this world? In the world, but not of it. You are amazing. My first declaration, I am forgiven and favored by God. Hallelujah. We give him all the praise. Second one I'm going to give to you right now is this. I am focused on Jesus, and I will faithfully declare his promises. I want to talk about focus for a moment. When you're focused, you are fixed on a point. 
And when you're a Christian, you're actually fixed on a person. You're fixed on Jesus. As Christians, we're fixed on him. We're fixed on his promises. When you're not focused, guess what you are? You're distracted. And I talked about this in a previous message before. The definition of distracted is to be pulled apart. Does it not feel like our world is being pulled apart right now? Distracted. It's challenging to be focused and to be faith-filled when you're pulled apart. There is nothing the enemy wants more right now than for the church to be pulled apart. Chantel and I were praying about this last night as we were going to sleep. We were just declaring it over politics and over our whole nation. God, in Jesus' name, help us to focus on your goodness. Help us to focus on you. Let's not be a distracted church. But there are two kinds of focuses. Um, I believe that there's vertical focus and then there's horizontal focus. Vertical focus and horizontal focus. God, God wants us to be vertical. He's wanting us to always be seeing and speaking what heaven says to be true. And so Psalm 91. Psalm 91 says, God, you're my shelter and my resting place. Surely you will save me. No harm will overtake me. No disaster will come near me. You will deliver me in times of trouble. You will honor me. With long life you will satisfy me and show me your salvation. Which focus is that? It's a vertical focus. The enemy, on the other hand, is always, always horizontal. Don't look up. Don't look to God. Look around. See how bad it is. You know, thousands of planes land, and then one crashes, and the devil wants you to focus on that one that crashed and believe the next time you get on a plane, yeah, it could be you. Remember that plane that crashed? Remember? Uh, there's a hereditary disease in your family. You better believe, yeah, you're going to get it. You're probably going to get it. It's in your family line. You know, your mom died of it. Who's to say you're not going to get it? Uh, see how many people are getting COVID right now? Cases are up in Sturgeon County. It's just a matter of time. You're going to get it. Your child's going to get it. You have an underlying condition. Wow, imagine that with COVID. It's bad. Or, hey, remember that guy who died of cancer? He was a Christian. He believed in Jesus, and he died of cancer. Who's to say that you can't? You see how this works? You see? The enemy wants to get you repeating what you hear on the news. And the enemy wants to get you repeating your doctor's prognosis. He wants you to hash and rehash and regurgitate what you read on Facebook. Fear is always horizontal. Faith is always vertical. It's always looking up. Now, I recognize... Even as I was preparing this message, I kind of got a little insecure. I'll be honest. I'll recognize the problem with this message. Some of you are thinking, Peter, you sound like a prosperity gospel preacher right now. And I mentioned that to somebody this week, and they were like, well, maybe we could use a little more prosperity. <laughs> it was Mrs. Agri. I'm tattling on Mrs. Agri, right? But Christians, you might be saying Christians die of cancer. Believers in Jesus, like everyone else, are susceptible to COVID-19, sickness, disease, countless problems. You can't deny that, Peter. Listen, I'm not saying it never happens. I'm not going to stick my head in the sand and pretend it doesn't. But I'm talking about our focus. And I'm talking about our faith. I have had several conversations with Christians who say, you cannot declare with certainty that Jesus heals. First of all, never tell me that I cannot declare. Wow. Wow right? You cannot declare that Jesus heals because many are not healed. 
You can't declare protection over your children that none of them will get hit by a car crossing the street because just this year in Morinville, a couple of kids got hit crossing the street. You cannot declare that financial famine won't affect you because you believe in Jesus and because you're, you're part of this economy like every other Canadian. And do you know what I say to that? Yes, I can. Yes, I can and yes, I will. Rain or shine, day or night, I will not stop declaring the fullness of the salvation that I've received. I will not stop gazing into the eyes of my Savior with expectation, wide-eyed hope. Even if I receive a bad prognosis from a doctor, I will declare my God is bigger, my salvation is fuller, every one of God's promises are mine in Jesus' name. I will fix my focus. And the question that came to me was, who would you rather have pray for you? The pastor that says, well, let's not get our hopes up. Or the pastor that says, well, what will be, will be. Some people are hearing that in church today. Or would you rather have the pastor that says, let us not doubt in the least bit what God can do. Let us not doubt at all. He has big arms. He's wrapping them around you. Hallelujah. He is good. Come on. Amen. Praise the Lord. But fear says don't hope for anything. Fear says don't hope. Do you know what the Word of God says? It says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. The devil wants to keep you sin conscious. He wants to keep you sickness conscious. He wants you to speak what you see and what you feel. And so I'm at a point now in my relationship with Jesus where I cringe when I hear Christians say things like, I have a really bad feeling about this. Or, oh, I think it's only going to get worse. Or Christians that say, I have pain in my body. It's just getting worse and worse and worse. And they speak it. They speak it everywhere they go. It's getting worse. It's getting worse. I have pain. Is that your focus? We got to watch our words. We need to watch our tongue. We have authority in what we say. There's a story in the book of Acts that I was thinking about this week, and uh, the Apostle Paul is stranded on an island, and a poisonous snake is driven out by the heat, and it latches onto his arm, and uh, he shakes off this poisonous snake, and what it says is all the people of the island literally sat around and waited for him to die. Somehow, I feel like that's a picture of our society right now. We're just all sitting around waiting <laughs> for cases to go up or whatever, right? But it says that the poison had no effect on Paul. No effect whatsoever. I heard a story uh, recently of an Israeli soldier who grew up as a Christian. He was a Messianic Jew, a Christian Jew in Israel. And like all people in Israel, he was drafted into the military and this guy saw intense conflict. But in his story, he shares about how he went to a small church in Israel as a kid, and, and up on the wall, they had large portions of Psalm 91. And as a little guy, you know, you can't help but look at the walls and whatnot in church. He would just read Psalm 91, and he would just read it again and again. And eventually, like those rabbis that I talked about earlier, faith was implanted in his heart. Faith was implanted in his heart. And when he joined the military, he says, Never once, it just, didn't even, it just didn't even come to mind that he would ever die in war. Just didn't even think about it because he just had faith that way. 
But on the other hand, he had a friend who wasn't a Christian, and his friend all the time would say to him, oh man, I just have a feeling. I just have a feeling, you know, one of these times I'm going to lean out and a bullet's going to catch me. I just have a feeling. And guess what? Sure enough, there was one time where he was right beside his friend. His friend leaned out to fire at the enemy and a bullet caught him right between the eyes. But friends of this other man, they tell this story, the the man that was reading Psalm 91, they tell this story of a time where their unit was completely surrounded and all these men, these Israeli soldiers, jumped in a hole to avoid the machine gun fire and they all looked up out of the hole and they saw their friend firing his gun and they said there were leaves, they were in a forest and they literally just saw leaves all around him, blowing up, not one hit him, not one. He survived and he had a long military career, he's retired now. But strength, stories like these strengthen our faith, don't they? They strengthen our faith. I saw a post on Facebook the other day and it talked about the opportunity that we have right now to create our own news headlines. Does anybody see that? The opportunity that we have to create our own news headlines. What do your headlines say? What do your headlines say? If, if Psalm 91 were an article about your life, how would it read? The terror of night, or the deadly pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Or maybe for some, 10,000 have fallen. But let me tell you something, those aren't my headlines. (laughs) Those are not my headlines. Resting in the shadow of the Almighty. Guarded by angels. Or how about a long and satisfying life? Amen? Come on. Choose your headlines and choose wisely. First declaration, I am forgiven and favored by God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the salvation that we've received. We give him all the praise and all the glory. Second one, I am focused on Christ. I will faithfully declare his promises. Fix your focus. Third and final one, I have intimate fellowship with my heavenly father. Can you say that with me? I have intimate fellowship with my heavenly father. Hallelujah. Did you notice that today's message was not seven steps for overcoming fear? Did you notice? It was not a doctor's list of of do's and don'ts. It wasn't anything that we recite, but today's message is all about relationship. It's all about relationship. You don't come to church for information. You come to church for revelation. Information is crippling our society right now. Hallelujah. We don't need information. We need revelation of the relationship that has been opened up to us who believe. Now, when I was a kid, and it was the middle of the night, and I was scared of monsters, my mom and dad never once passed me a book explaining why monsters aren't real. They never did that. Go back to bed, Peter. Scientists are 98% certain that monsters are not real. You know, my parents never did that, not once. When it was 3 a.m. and it was pitch black and I was afraid of monsters, I would climb into bed with mom and dad and I would sleep right between them. And I would snuggle in as deeply as I could into that big, heavy comforter on their bed. I would feel them on either side of me. Mom and dad's bed was a water bed. 
Anybody remember waterbeds? Oh, man. That water was warm. It was like waves of mercy and grace. Ah, rocking me back to sleep. Praise God for waterbeds. Hallelujah. But guess what? It was nothing my parents could ever tell me, but it was always their presence that helped me get back to sleep. Now, this is a little side note. I had a little laugh in the middle of the night last night. It was about 3 a.m. Little Isla comes, ooh, crying to my side of the bed, and she crawls in right into bed with me, and I was like, oh, Lord, you are, I'm getting my message right now. And I pulled her in, and I held her close, and I pulled the covers up over her, and she stopped crying. Did you know that in the middle of a pandemic, you can rest? Just, I just feel to even just declare that over you right now. You can have peace. You can rest. And so don't settle for books and research and social media. Don't give too much weight to negative news. I'm not saying don't look at it. I'm not saying none of it's valid. But don't let that settle too deeply into your heart. Don't keep God in the Holy of Holies. He longs to be close to you. He longs to snuggle in with you. Jesus came out of the bosom of his heavenly Father. He came out of the very bosom of God. He came to earth as a man. Jesus, your big brother, picked you up, pulled you close. He went right back into the Holy of Holies, and now you are nestled in with Christ in the bosom of your heavenly Father. That's you right now. Do you think maybe you stand apart in this world? Come on. There's no place I would rather be. Psalm 91 says, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. Message Bible says, his huge outstretched arms protect you. Under them you're perfectly safe. When I was reading that, I was thinking about Matthew uh, 23. And it's this story where Jesus comes close to the city of Jerusalem and Jesus just begins to weep uncontrollably. He begins to weep. And he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how I have longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. Jesus is weeping. This is shortly before he would go to the cross and, and be nailed to the cross. Jesus longed for people to receive his message, to comprehend him as Messiah, but the Jews rejected him. Israel rejected their Messiah. The people were too entrenched in laws and traditions to see what was right before their eyes. And I'm concerned a little bit, even when I look at the church, because we live in a time in history where we are buried in our own opinions, and we are indoctrinated by our media. And sometimes, let's just be honest, we are lazy and lethargic in relationship with God. God forgive us, Holy Spirit help us. When Jesus returns, at the end of my message, I just felt this prodding in my heart. Will he find faith? Will he find faith in Sturgeon County? Will he find it at the Father's house? Pastor Greg has talked about this with our staff several times, and I believe we've talked about it from this stage as well, that there's a separating happening right now in the body of Christ. There's a separating. Crisis is always an accelerator. It accelerates what's already there. And so those that were lethargic about a relationship with the Lord, for many of them, they're all the more lethargic about it now. It's just easier to go that way. But those who are faithful are all the more bold and courageous in this season. Let that be you this morning, amen? 
This has nothing to do with who's not wearing masks and who's wearing masks and who's physically gathering and who's online. It's actually not about that. Let's not make it exterior, but it's actually an issue of the heart. It's an issue of the heart. And yet at the same time, sometimes our physical responses, our thoughts, words, actions, they actually demonstrate what we truly believe in here. And so every one of us needs to go away and we need to examine ourselves. And again, that question, when the Lord returns, will he find faith? With every fiber of our being this morning in worship and in response to this message, the cry of our hearts should be, yes, Lord. Yes, you will find faith in me. I am forgiven and favored by God. I am focused on Jesus. I will faithfully declare his promises. I have intimate fellowship with my heavenly Father. I'm going to invite Andrea to come. She's just going to play as we close, but... um, classic preacher. I'm going to keep going for a little bit. But uh, I want to close with an analogy. Before, before I do that, I want to read the scripture. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9a. It says, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I believe that the eyes of the Lord range throughout the Father's house looking for those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Listen, the Lord is drawn to those whose hearts are fully committed. And by faith we draw near to God and with faith on our hearts and expressed through our actions, the Lord draws near to us. He showers his Psalm 91 protection and blessing upon those who are faith-filled and faithful. And so here's my analogy. It's a bit of a different analogy. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that that God is a large magnet. He's a magnet. You know what a magnet is. It has a magnetic field that's invisible, but it draws other magnetic materials. So God is a magnet. And let's just say, for the sake of my analogy, that all of us are paper clips. We're paper clips. Now, as I was thinking this over, I want you to know that not all paper clips are the same. Many of them are steel, but the things that pastors research and message prep, you know that many paper clips are plastic as well. The steel ones are drawn to the magnet. They are drawn to God. The plastic ones are not. Here's the thing. When God in all his goodness God and all of his power and protection and promise comes near, the paperclip with steel, it cannot help but draw near. It cannot help but come close. The magnetic force cannot help but come close. Church, faith is like that. Faith, by faith we say, God, you're real. Your salvation is real. Jesus' sacrifice for me is real. Your promises are real. I cannot help but long for you, God. I cannot help but draw near to you. But I believe that there will be those who look like a paperclip, act like a paperclip, bend like a paperclip. Maybe they're the same color and shape as the paperclip, but there's no substance of faith in them. There's no evidence that faith like steel has been forged inside of them. And the Bible even talks about that. When Jesus returns, and my God, he will return. He is coming. Keep your eyes on the sky. In the same way that he came, in like manner, he will return strong and victorious. And when he does, with all of his magnetic force and power, those who are steel 
they're going up. They're going. How could they not? They are drawn to him. They've lived his promises. They've relished his salvation. But there will be many that, that don't go up. May the Lord find us faithful. Amen? May the Lord find us faith-filled. In the last few verses of Psalm 91, the author switches and God is the one speaking. And I just want to pray that over you. Why don't you stand with me again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah, God. The author switches for the last few verses and it's God speaking. And I just, I want you to receive this right now. Why don't you just raise your hands right now? The chapter says, because he or she loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue them. I will protect them for they acknowledge my name. They will call on me and I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will deliver them and honor them. And with long life, I will satisfy them and show them my salvation. The whole church said amen, right? Hallelujah. I just want to give that opportunity if there's anybody in the room that says, I haven't received my protector. I haven't received the one who covers me. If anybody says, I, more than ever before, I need Jesus. And so God, would you forge steel in my life that I might be drawn to the Son of God? Is there anybody that says, yeah, that's me. I need God in my life. I'd like to rededicate my life to him. The lights are bright, but I'm looking. This is your opportunity. This is it. If you're saying, I'd love to receive Jesus into my life. I believe that we all have done that this morning. So let me bless you. God, I just, I bless the church with every promise. Lord, I'm not going to look at your word and I'm not going to say, why me? No, I'm probably not deserving of that. And I'm not going to shy away. But Lord, let us be those that boldly approach the throne. Let us be those that boldly walk into the Holy of Holies right up to God and just say thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your favor. Thank you for your faithful promises. God, you are good. You are true. You are powerful. You are awesome. And we thank you today for intimate fellowship that our Father holds us closely in the midst of the season that we're in. Thank you for a long and satisfying life. And the whole church said, amen. Amen. Do you want to lead us in a chorus before we go? Let's sing together. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so
to go with us this week. Amen? Enjoy it. Thank the Lord for it. He is so good. Let's just give him one more hand. Amen. And God bless you as you have a coffee now and enjoy some fellowship with one another. Amen. Awesome. Hallelujah. Your love so great, Jesus in all things. I've seen a glimpse of your heart a billion years. Still, I'll be 